0: the around the NFL podcast
1: as fun as Paris in the 40s (laughs) that's an all-time Rosenthal from the Chris (laughs) Wessling podcast studio it's around the NFL I'm Dan Hansis. I have heroes with me yes the aforementioned Greg Rosenthal Mark
2: Sessler the week three preview show starts now I was really looking for, like, the Belle Epoque or whatever. I don't even know how you say so, it, but that's, just like, the, late 1800s, early 20th century. You're you know, off by 50 century. to 60 years, right. so that's When okay. Paris no, was, was like reduced to rubble about, yeah, 30 and years. the Nazis
1: were walking through the streets. I, I nailed it. right? Uh, not typically seen as a golden era for <laughs> Paris. But we've litigated this.
2: <laughs> but maybe it's a good, accurate description of this show that's
1: coming up. You know what was probably pretty awesome? <laughs> Although still torn apart by war. Uh, the post-Nazi occupation. So even if you went late forties, a lot of party, yeah,
2: you're definitely you would
3: have been good. It's like a reverse bullseye. Yeah, in terms of your parallel,
2: <laughs> just like feel lucky to be alive, you know, celebrate life is short. Where's that iconic?
1: <laughs> where was the iconic photo taken? I already know the answer, actually, of the uh, Navy, the seaman back from air, uh, back from war, getting the kiss from the lady. I think that was Times Square in New York
3: City. Yeah, you tell us, because I mean, the open-ended historical questions are not good for Greg and I.
2: anyone listening in just getting a free history lesson you don't need school you only need us we're your teachers week three week three and it's
1: week three's got a lot of work to do to live up to week two kind of ended with a whimper the primetime games weren't so good but everything else was a lot of fun and we're gonna get to all of the week three games and we're gonna have um, a visit to the Cincinnati Zoo to check in with the Westling Brothers, who, by the way, not for nothing, we have our locks competition, which is pretty tight right now after uh, week two's lockocalypse. Definitely not lockalypse. A lockalypse. A Yeah. After which is
3: suggested by a listener, which we did not come up with on a-lo-co-lypse? our own. A lockalypse? Yeah, a lockalypse. That's
1: good. That's good. Um, the Westling Brothers should not be a surprise, but they actually have their own standings internally now. <laughs> and they should know, just to make it known um, – the West Brothers that that will not be recognized officially in the standings. Of not. Like their individualized battle, it's still one West uh, Brother entry per week. But I found that funny and very kind
2: of on brand it, for the it, zoo. It's amazing because one of them will now claim victory. There's no way, <laughs> like as a group, there's no way for them to lose. Uh, and then and he'll now hate the other brothers and, and think he's smarter than. The it's rest. muddled. It's muddled. Um, all right. So this is what we're gonna do as we always do. Uh, We will go through all of the
1: primetime games. Then we will hit uh, the draft where Mark Sessler has the number one overall pick. Goosebumps over there.
3: I'm prepared to make an excellent pick.
1: Excellent. Uh, But first, uh, yeah, let's get to it. Let's get to the primetime games. Let's start with Sunday Night Football. We had to endure another Bears-Packers game at Lambeau Field last week. (laughs) Uh, This Sunday, a little bit better. 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo now the starting quarterback, travels two-mile high uh, to face Russell Wilson and the Broncos, and Mark, I think a, a good way to get into this one is, yes, Garoppolo, this is the first time this week that he actually got to like practice with the first team, and he, he, is the, he is the man in that offense again, or at least the quarterback of that offense. But it's Denver that interests me the most here, Mark, especially with where things are with the head coach and the public outcry and the frustration of the fan base and around this team to have a primetime game with with uh tariko chris and the gang everybody's going to be focused on this that's a lot of pressure on nathaniel hackett there already was a lot of pressure i mean
3: had this been put at one o'clock eastern and now you know we're, we're days removed from the the broncos fans are a feverish fan base one of the best and in unison, they were counting down the 40-second play clock because their coaching staff cannot handle that's that responsibility on their own. And I think you know it really is. It to me, that feels like the Broncos could use a second training camp because the core things that a coaching Which staff is allowed, to do, by the way. The, so that's a problem. It's too late for that. Yeah. But so you got to figure a lot of things out because it's 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 not just the communication. It's not just the way that they've there's this there's this obsession with bringing bringing Brandon McManus in on bizarre scenarios to keep Russell Wilson off the field when they should be basically highlighting Russell Wilson and what he was brought here to do. The offense, though, I think has been, it's what's been a little overlooked. They have been a good offense. They have had 400 yards per game. It's when they've gotten into the red zone, they're 0 for 6 when they get to the red zone. And so they're low scoring. They're not scoring touchdowns. And I think it is just a team. We expected some growing pains, but they've been a little more intense because
2: it's been some scenarios that have been embarrassing, I think, for Nathaniel Hackett and company. Right. I mean, if you had said that Russell Wilson and the offense, it's not Wilson getting booed, but that the offense would have been booed heavily in Russell Wilson's first game. Like even, even when he ran out onto the field for the first time, you know, they didn't cut to commercial break because they wanted to hear the big ovation. But instead, everyone was grumbling because there was a holding penalty on the return. And so everyone was upset with that. And then no one gave Russell Wilson his flowers. Like, everything is off. And yet, it just looks like a normal Russell Wilson offense. For the most part, guys are open. Eric Eager on Twitter, who... Uh, who I really like, had a great stat that they have more uh, open receivers in terms of average separation than any team in the entire league. And yet Russell Wilson is throwing into tight coverage more than almost any quarterback in, in the entire league. So his decision-making hasn't been you know quick and sharp, but for the most part, he's just looked like Russell Wilson. And I love this as the Sunday Night Football game. If this was in the draft, it would be my number one overall pick. Just say, <laughs> just
1: say what it really is. What? Uh, You could have just stopped at, I love this. No, but it's it's because it's the 49ers. Give me a second. Because
2: they played the Texans and they played the Seahawks. Two very milquetoast teams that we don't really know what they are. And now here's like a real test against a great defense. To me, that's like a perfect week three game. That's my thing.
1: Everyone, don't get hung up on the Greg, Geno, Smith uh, love affair. Greg's hatred of Russell Wilson not should true. not be slept on. Uh, it is deep. Hatred. It's, it's passionate. Okay. Right. Uh, it's it's very, it's almost um, unhinged at times. And I know you've really enjoyed the start of the season with Wilson. Um, but so, he hasn't
2: played that bad. I actually would have pushed back well, a little on that. Well, that's what I was going to say.
1: So here's the thing. It is sloppy. Denver's been bad. They are very fortunate to have a win after the first two weeks. But if you watch the games closely and these red zone failures, there's been several, and I mean two, three uh, moments at least, where just by the smallest of margins, uh, toe out of bounds, stopped at the one-inch line, and then they failed to get the ball in. But I don't think it's been as bad as it seems. The red zone was um, specifically and I think they're going to get it figured out. But again, Mark, like this this situation with Hackett and the coaching staff and the pressure on them to get this right—it's a real thing, and it's going to be really interesting to see in prime time with millions of people watching
3: against a great coaching staff that's going to find a way, especially to maximize Jimmy G. I think the, I think the Niners—if you're Kyle Shanahan, the whole Trey Lance thing. I think there's probably a level of comfort just to have Jimmy G back starting because it, it was with Trey Lance. You know, you're losing his mobility. You're losing him as part of the ground game, which I think matters. But Jimmy G, everyone's saying like, well, he wasn't in the playbook. He's been in, bathed in this offense for years. He, I think if you look at George Kittle, the rest of the players on the team, there is a level of comfort with him and probably a little bit of happiness that he's back
2: as the starting quarterback. Right. Their running game is not going to be the same. I really think they're going to miss Elijah Mitchell at all. But overall, I think they're comfortable. I love this game just because I'm not sure what we have with the Broncos at all, Dan. Like, they've played the Texans and the Seahawks, who both teams on both sides of the ball, Mm. pretty vanilla. And this 49ers front, Ebukom, who they got from the Rams, has been stuffing people against the run. You have Bosa, you have... Armstead, uh, their front seven's great. You got your guy Hufanga in the back end. Like, this is a test. Are you enjoying the Hufanga experience? I mean, you made how, some more plays a week too. How can you not? I think it'd be like if you're naming all pro safeties after two weeks, there it is. He would be your guy. It's
1: been good. There it is. Uh, yeah. And I do not to dwell on it because I feel like people have hit this and we did a little bit on Sunday as well. But it does feel like, and, it, and you feel for Trey Lance, but it feels like this is probably a better setup for 49ers where they are right now with Garoppolo just I think they just want it this way and, and it, he's and it healthy. just happened that's the one thing I and mean, we buried Garoppolo on the show by the end of last season and with good reason he was not productive and he couldn't lead the offense and he's the reason I think they didn't go to the Super Bowl really um but he was hurt too hurt enough to get uh surgery on his throwing shoulder the fact that he's healthy let's see what kind of season but that's he has why now. they
2: drafted Trey Lance because Jimmy Garoppolo very rarely stays healthy and right now yeah, they have you know 16 now they weeks have another here.
1: quarterback that can't stay healthy <laughs> Remember last year, we learned in, over the summer, well, Trey Lance was never healthy last year. Okay, so he's hurt throughout his rookie year, and now he's going to miss 14 games his second year.
4: Okay. Yes, Justin. Oh. Yes, Justin. Oh. I really like the 49ers in this <laughs> <game>. oh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I knew he was locking
2: it up, because he doesn't normally Did, jump in Does anybody it. have any
4: concern that...
2: Justin
1: might, in an effort to get into the what amounts of the A block of the show, is going to just start locking up the
4: primetime games no matter what. We have Thursday. evidence
1: that that's his strategy.
4: Yeah. But go on, Justin. No, that has nothing to do with it. I was looking at the matchups. I didn't want to take something that was like right on the line of being not lockable, okay. six and a half point spread or whatever. So right. I went with this game. I'm locking up the 49ers. Wow. That's a bold one. I like it. On the road. Does not oh, matter almost, anymore? Yeah.
3: No, I also think Denver <laughs> so probably weird. doesn't want to be home if, if, if it unfolds the way it did last week to begin with. They yes. are
2: slight road favorites, so that's uh, pretty disrespectful. San for Francisco the by a
1: point and a half by the desert folk. All right, let's move to Monday Night Football. The hey, Dallas Cowboys hey, travel to MetLife hey, Stadium hey, for hey, a G-Man. date with the hey, G-Men. Hey, hey, the
4: G-Men, the undefeated G-Men
1: who are 2-0. Hey, listen, you can only play your schedule. You can only play your schedule. And uh, they've taken care of a Titans team that's a little bit of a mess right now, Nashville, by one point. They beat the Panthers 19-16. And to me, Mark, this feels like another nice setup for the Giants at home against the Cowboys team. And I thought Cooper Rush showed us some things um, in week two, but I'm not going to get carried away. Like Tony Romo was talking about him, like he was the next Tony Romo. I'm not there yet, but he showed himself to be um, competent. But still, the Giants and their defense, which is playing above its head right now, perhaps, or maybe Wink Martindale just deserves more credit for being good at what he does, feels like they should be able to, once again, hold the team under you know 20 to 24 points. I think they, the, the Cowboys showed a lot of trust
3: in Cooper Rush. Let him throw the ball 31 times all over the field gave him a fourth and two situation, which he successfully converted. So there is trust inside the organization for him. And I look at what the defense did to Cincinnati. We know Cincinnati has their issues right now on offense, but this Cowboys defense is the best unit in the game for me and the biggest challenge that the Giants have faced I think all season. I really think that Brian Dable done a good job with the, with the Giants. The NFC is more interesting when they're a good team. Uh they're going to be wearing their white out uniforms. The Dable sent a letter to the Giants stadium Down, crowd can. and said, "I do care about that. I think this is a this is a major moment for the Giants. One of their biggest <laughs> games in a long time." I'm kind of secretly a Giants fan. Oh, I so. thought you
1: meant, I thought you meant the jerseys or what made it a major moment. But I understand what you're saying. The chance in prime time to beat, quote unquote, America's team or let's say North Texas's team and start 3 and 0 for the first time in forever. When's is is. the last time this happened for the Giants. It they does they, feel, ha-
2: they it have like a little... primetime game where they beat Cam Newton I think The McAdoo years that for a second it felt you know they didn't make the playoffs this year, but you're right, it's that's that's about it. If that's the best, doesn't it feel like
1: I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'll just say, like, if they beat the Cowboys 20 to 16 or something, don't they feel to you a little bit like the 2021 Panthers where? They win their first three games and their fan base is like yelling at the Power ranking guy to put him in top 10. And you're it's like, you. You let's just let's just chill out a little bit. But you can only play your schedule again. And this feels like a nice setup for
2: them. The defense has been a, a revelation. because I'm it, saying I don't think they're good. In but. part, because not only was the defense looking rough coming into the season, they've been missing all their best players on paper. During the season, Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, their starting edge rushers, haven't played. They're trending in the right direction, might play in this game, uh, according to uh, Dayball. So that's good. They have found someone in O'Shane Zimenez, uh, who is kind of an edge rusher who was buried among the last coaching staff and has really played well the first couple of weeks. They're starting undrafted rookies who had never played before last week. They're signing guys off the waivers and starting them immediately. It's crazy they're winning because Daniel Jones is struggling. This is one of the... I, I love Daniel Jones or let's that's, that's a little uh too much. but I've rooted for Daniel Jones and wanted the best and I think viewed him through rose colored glasses. and I would say the last two games are among the worst two game stretches of his entire career and that's one of the things with playing quarterback. He's gotten buried quite often uh when he's been fine and now you know no one's getting on Daniel Jones right now because Dable's there and that's great. they've found a way to win but but he's struggling and the offense is messy right now and they're playing. The best defensive player to enter the league at, at edge rusher in Micah Parsons since Lawrence Taylor. I to me this is Whoa. a Micah Parsons like Whoa. game. You Greggy. know what I mean? Him Greggy going the to the hyperbole there. No, well, that, no, he's getting a, he's getting who a would ton you, of Lawrence Taylor would be comparisons. There? Who would be there? I would have to think about it. JJ Watt. I mean, that's is forty the only years one that's, of football history. In terms of, I would say Von Miller would be in that mix because he was really good as oh, a rookie, like, but to come in. As good as he was. I don't know. To come in as good as you were as a rookie, and then the way he started this year looking like the best player in the league at any position, uh, Watt was not a true edge rusher. So I'm not throwing him in there. I I think that
3: the Lawrence Taylor comparison has been thrown around a lot, and I I don't think it's completely off the mark at all. I'm not saying it's completely off the mark.
1: It's just that was a definitive statement, which I'm not saying I even disagree with. It's just like, is that how. Is he. The greatest player to burst into the league on defense in 40 years in that position—that's that's a Hall Isn't of Fame. Isn't he arc. easily
3: the best player in this game?
1: Uh, wasn't, well, he, wasn't he the best version well, of Saquon? Week? Do we get uh, well, this week? I, he know. might be my
2: choice as the best player in the NFL through two weeks. I, think I don't that's think fair. that's hyperbole. Okay, well, all right. You're right about Saquon. He's an awesome we, player.
3: After week one, I thought, are we going to be getting like an offensive player of the year type situation with Saquon Barkley? They had zero yards rushing against a Panthers team that the week before. Was eaten up by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and missed 18 tackles. So I think it's hot and cold with the with the Giants' running game. Their whole offense. I mean, I think you're right. They're two and zero. Even if they're three and zero, I don't think the Giants would even put themselves in the top ten power rankings after that because we. Well, it, that'd be sad. Well, like, <laughs> do you think they that's Brian Dable going to self scout the 12th? Well, I think they. Would, I think that would be
2: fair. I mean, all right. Andrew Thomas, by Final the way, their, their left tackle, yeah, has played really well. So if that's who Parsons is going to, he's helping to make the rest of that defense better, though, I think because of the attention that goes to him. The rest of the defensive lines playing great. Their defense, I think, can carry them to this win. They're who I
1: picked. All right. Uh, did uh, Reggie White, did he come
2: into the league after LT? I
1: think he did. It's another option. Bruce Smith.
2: I guess you got to go through and look I mean he's at their also first.
1: I know Parsons is more of a hybrid like I'm he's talking about yeah. how
2: they entered the league like Reggie right. White's a good uh example he did come it, into the league about as good as possible he won the defensive rookie of the year and then uh it was an all-pro team uh, the next year. So that that's a good one. Aaron that Donald was, that is was not in this conversation, assen- Essentially, the, the similar type of arc. But one thing that Lewis di- is not in this conversation. Right, no, but one like, thing yeah. is like, different... Parsons does Lawrence Taylor-type things and sort of looks like Lawrence right. Taylor. Right, and he has been playing it while he's been playing two positions, but that changed last week, and I think that's a really interesting thing to watch. Just keeping f- him there. For the first time last week, yeah. they did not mess around with the off-ball linebacker snaps, right. even though everyone is healthy, so we'll see. Let's see. Well, uh, if, if
1: Parsons is as great as we think, he should be able to wreak havoc against Daniel Jones. It'll be fun to watch. Nice primetime stage for that. All right, let's uh, move on to the draft. It is time to hit with a first overall pick. Ceci, a top 10 NFL analyst, will get us going. What do you got, Mark? see.
2: Sessie. They're counting down to a Thank you. The top 10 thing maybe
1: slightly
3: overdone.
5: He's a top 10 football insider. Oh, now he's got to
3: use a timeout. I am going to go. Where's the punt returner? This is easy. I'm going Bills at Dolphins. Bills at
1: Dolphins. That's a good way to start things off.
3: If you thought or if you knew back in the summer, because we didn't know with Tua and what this Dolphins offense would be, that they're the number two offense in DVOA. I think that would be that would be a, a fantastic situation for Mike McDaniel, which is the case. Buffalo defense, though, has the number one DVOA, and I think that's the difference for me. Why I, Last year, I struggled to believe in the Bills as a complete uh, AFC dominant like entry because of the defense at times. And you know they had that game last year where they lost to, to Jacksonville. This team, to me, feels um, immune from letdowns like that. And it has to do with the defense. My one concern, though, is their their secondary is banged up right now. They really have issues. And Micah Hyde is banged up. Dane Jackson has a next situation. And you're going against what we obviously know with this Miami pass defense is essentially like an eruption of points and yardage. And so can Buffalo, is that the one weak link for Buffalo? Can they can they stop what, what
2: Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle can do? Yeah, injury update. Jackson Hyde and Jordan Poyer, who I think is more likely to play, Poyer that is, uh, did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, so that's Concerning. three starters, including one at cornerback where you were already thin, but their pass rush to this point has made up for it. That That's been the revelation to your point, Mark, that not only is Von Miller just, like, looking like he was with the Rams last year. I guess I wasn't totally ready for that. For some reason, I was thinking, you know, Von Miller's had some ups and downs later in his career, uh, but he is still the world-destroying Von Miller right now, and he's helping out Boogie Bashin and, and A.J. Epinesa and Greg Rousseau had a monster game Monday night, and suddenly that that's in the mix when Get Oliver gets back as the, one of the best defensive lines in the league, and then you can survive uh, with your secondary hurt. But maybe not against Tua... Uh, and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle running down the field. Like, if you don't have guys covering them, I I don't care how good your pass rush is.
1: Yeah, that was, obviously, there's so much to be impressed by by the Dolphins' comeback from 35-14 down in Baltimore uh, for that win. It was the Waddle and Tyreek Hill, it's the perfect it's the perfect kind of uh, – here's the example of how good this could be, where if you have a secondary that's in a little bit of trouble and a little confused or a little banged up, you are absolutely going to wreak havoc. And Which that, Baltimore's was. Now, Now here is the – part of the two experience, cause I, and I totally get it, because after experience like that where you have six touchdown passes, including four on the final four possessions in the fourth quarter, obviously now the viewpoint is going to be – all right, this works, this is it, here's the dude, give him an extension. But the one thing I do want to see from Tua is consistency week to week, not six touchdowns in one game consistency, but going against a big time, this is a perfect uh, timing for this matchup because I can't wait to see Tua now with all the confidence in the world, even though Claiborne says momentum doesn't exist, the Dolphins' offense is feeling Completely proud and full of themselves entering this game, humming on all cylinders. So what happens now when they get a Bills defense that just erased their first two opponents? And, you know, they're they're number one in the power rankings, the Bills. And I was like, when I'm talking, watching the games, like there's nobody in their class right now, which is why I think Buffalo, again, is going to roll here. But if Miami wins this game. Is he going to do it? No, because I think it would be disrespectful after what Miami did in week one for me to lock against them the next week and do two locks in a row. I'm, I'm open to the idea that this offense is taking off and they're going to be a lot of fun to watch, but I still think the Bills are in a class of their own and they're going to show it again. It's the perfect measuring stick. I mean, for me,
3: Mike McDaniel, and you know there are a lot of Mike McDaniel fans out there, I think he's completely unlocked what Tua can do because Tua's six touchdowns last week were his 18% of his career touchdowns in one that's game, stupid. which is wild. But that's
1: both, like, good and bad. That shows that he's well, been kind I, but, of a middling producer. Right,
3: previous to this. Right. I'm wondering, though, if now what we're looking at last week, it's not going to happen every week, but Mike McDaniel might – and he's done this with other quarterbacks – he finds a way to turn star players and maximize them. Because in another situation, Tyreek Hill goes to the Dolphins or under a different coaching staff, and he's already grumbling because he's not the Kansas City version of Tyreek Hill. Instead, he's much more. And I think he's very happy. And, like, everyone, the offensive players on this team think, like, we're going to be used well, coached well, and if you get a 30% better version of Tua, which we got last week, the Dolphins suddenly are very dangerous. And the AFC East, which a couple years ago
2: was owned by New England, is completely flipped at this point where it's Buffalo and Miami. Well, the the. The idea of giving up all those picks for Tyree Kill is he's a force multiplier. That he makes everyone better. We normally think quarterbacks make everyone better, but the idea of trading for AJ Brown or trading for Tyree Kill is he makes Tua better. He makes Jalen Waddle better, who's also you know has a chance to take a year or two leap. And the speed of those two guys combined just makes defenses put in a blender because they get downfield. Some of those deeper throws, not just the bombs, but like the the 15 yard intermediate throws. Tua got rid of the ball so fast, but they're already twenty yards down the field. It's like, what kind of defense is set up to stop that? Either you have to back off, and they're going to have these big zones, and meanwhile Chase Edmonds can slide in there. Their running game looks good. Like well, that's a question. Yes. What kind of what kind of defense can stop them? I don't know. The Patriots in Week One, they scored thirteen sure, points. Sure, sure. Once once you get it, Week One, I'm willing to. Not I'm give just, a pass I'm to just, everyone. But. I
1: guess, I'm, again, sometimes that's my role in the show. I'm tapping the brakes on this now to be an every week thing. But that's why I love this matchup, um, to see if they can get into a shootout with Buffalo. Because that's the only way they win. Because we saw what the Dolphins defense did against Lamar Jackson. Like, if that comeback didn't happen um, the way it went down for Miami, everybody would have been talking about Lamar shredding the Dolphins defense right, that and being was lost the MVP in, favorite. That, that was lost. That narrative was lost.
3: And we'll get big- to that. Like, that Dolphins defense, you know, you can you can do st- good pick, though, Buff- Mark. Well, of course it's a great thing. But buffaloes. Right. Someone's Buffalo, someone's got can't, to stop you. You can't, can't, uh, can't do, lock them up again. You can't lock again.
4: No. It's not me. Dan wasn't willing to lock them up, but somebody is. Oh. wow. wow. Okay.
1: See, you got to give Gravedigger credit because in both instances, do I? we were going to say this mm, a little bit of eyebrow raise here. Is he trying to get too involved at the top of the show? <laughs> but now he's got the Cincinnati Zoo. Okay. Inorganic so. involvement. So again,
4: cleared. You're cleared. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it.
5: Hello heroes, <laughs> after a loss last week, I needed to come out to one of my favorite places in the world. This is my uncle Rick's house. It's relaxing. I can get deep in my thoughts. There's no way Greg with his snarky comments is going to get into my head out here. <laughs> Zeus are calling us the Cincinnati Zoo. <laughs> That's fine because maybe we are a bunch of wild animals being trying to be put into cages. (laughs) But as you know from the stories, we'll scrap and claw and fight each other to get that piece of meat. In this case, the meat is a week three win. So there's not gonna be any more infighting. Well, yeah, there will be. (laughs) (laughs) But <laughs> well, that's us. We're a bunch of wild and crazy people. And we're feeling a little cornered right? Corned right now. <laughs> Bottom line is, the Dolphins have looked great this year. And they're at home Whoa. against the mighty Bills. Oh, no way. The Bills. <laughs> stay hot. Take care of business down in Miami. Lock it up. Um, okay, my favorite thing... About
3: this, I don't know how many takes that was. That was beautiful. But after he appeared last week on NFL Network, Nick texted us a little with a little bit of anxiety, thinking he didn't know he was going to be on, and he sort of filmed it in the room. This time around, he's got a nice button-down shirt. I think he, he had makeup on. I know. I think he's 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 the segment's getting longer and longer. He's prepared now. For that was the,
1: positively you know. cinematic. I felt like I was watching <laughs> uh, a PTA film. That's where.
2: Yeah. Um, Chris's Ashes are, one of Chris's maybe favorite places in the entire world, Uh their aunt and uncles. Uh, and for him to deliver a performance like that, I'm just <laughs> – I'm speechless. Give him the Best Actor award. Do that every week, uh Nick. Who knows? Maybe we need you in the studio. <laughs> All right, let's take a break, <laughs> and the draft rolls on.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – The old
1: Zeuser is up with the second overall pick in the draft, and guess what? Guess what? I'm not gonna do what you think I'm gonna do, because I know I know it's sitting out there in the late window. It's fun. It's got two legendary quarterbacks squaring off down at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Mm. But I am going to leave that for Greg. And I am st- instead. I'm going to go with a team that has captured my imagination really since the summer. The Detroit Lions, who now visit the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> the reach, night.
2: reach, reach. Tell me why, sir. I'll yeah. throw it to you. Just fun.
1: Just because I think two the Lions teams that
2: are like battling for that. Seventh I like this spot pick. I like this NFC. pick by you. I
1: think these are two very interesting, intriguing teams. The Lions, they are. They scored 35 points in the opener. Nearly, you know, I wouldn't say they nearly beat the Eagles, but they gave the Eagles a scare. Then they, you know, stick it to the Commanders, hang 36 points on them, and there was nothing Washington could do in that game. Every time the Commanders in the second half try to make that a game, Ben Johnson, who, by the way, is the offensive coordinator of the Lions, doesn't get a lot of love. Doing a great job. Send that offense out there, and they just answered. And you have a, you have a, um, quarterback and Jared Goff that I know there's a idea of Jared Goff, but then there's the reality with Jared Goff that you really can have a high-functioning offense if you have him in the right position. Played a great game last week. And and I don't even mean that in the way that I've said about Baker Mayfield in the past, where I'm saying, oh, Baker could be okay with a really good surrounding cast. No, Jared Goff could be legitimately good with a surrounding cast, and we, we've we seen that, especially last week. He threw four touchdown passes, no turnovers. Amon Ross St. Brown who had 184 total yards and two touchdowns in week two, Um, he's starting to look like a legitimate number one wide receiver. Not just their best wide receiver, but a real number one potentially. And DeAndre Swift, even with limited touches, was an absolute absolute menace to Washington. So now you get the Minnesota Vikings here, uh, Greggy, a team that everyone was on board in week one. And then they they completely crater on Monday Night Football with another terrible Cousins performance in prime time. So I want to see kind of which version of the Vikings shows up. Um, I think this is another fun game, and I think we're going to see a lot of points bang the over, whatever it is.
2: I, I like that analysis. I agree. And you're right. I can see it being another wild game that – Danny gets and ends up being higher in the run down on Sunday draft. <laughs> than we expect because I, I, something crazy is going to happen in this game. Cousins will be up and down. I'm curious if the Lions will be as aggressive blitzing him as the eagles were that's not really what the eagles do and kirk was not handling it well that's not traditionally mm. um, like the way to just like go after kirk cousins who usually is a good decision maker makes like a lot of veteran quarterbacks like knows where to go against man coverage but he was lost and the lions are a scheme defense to me they they don't quite have the personnel they they confused washington up front for a while last week and then The commanders went up and down the field in the second half. So they've been very up and down, and I think they have to win with scheme. But I think it's dangerous if they do this blitz-happy strategy against Kirk again. I'm with you. I mean, we talked
3: about correctly last week the Eagles being one secondary that might have a chance to slow down. Justin Jefferson, and they did obviously, and because I they, they can
2: do man coverage, right? Yet. And they they were a good
3: matchup. I'm not sure that's the case with the Lions at all. I mean, we've seen them; they're scoring a lot of points. They're also giving up points in a flood. But I do like the matchup for Detroit, and I'm with you, Dan. This is a this is a team that's captured my imagination too. The, their offensive line, their run game, dominant. It's a great situation for Jared Goff because of how balanced they are, and you're playing a Vikings run defense that is 30th in DVOA, and you can run on them. And so I like the matchup for Detroit. And I'm with you on Goff. I mean, I, I, you know, it's easy to be suspicious of him in general. Uh, and I, the Lions got him as a patch, as a stopgap. But the way he played last week, He fits in this offense. And Amon Ross St. Brown, who's had eight-plus catches and a touchdown in six-plus games, is hyperproductive and quietly a star inside Mm -hmm. this offense. I just think that what they've done, points-wise, is no fluke. They're going to be doing it all year long, and they're a dangerous matchup if you
2: can't stop the run. Yeah, watch them pick on Jordan Hicks, the Vikings linebacker, who is just getting destroyed on, on Monday night and probably shouldn't be starting right now. It's like, that, that's what a lot of offenses are doing right now, looking for that second linebacker. It's why you're afraid to play two linebackers right now. And you got Hawkinson, you got Swift, and you got a good coaching staff. I'm not quite there with you guys on Jared Goff. I wouldn't even go as far to say that I thought he played particularly well last week. I think the scheme... Hmm. Well, what, I don't did think he, he, what did he do wrong? I mean, cause he missed he, he, a lot of throws and made didn't always make great mm-hmm. decisions. But just what I mean is, I don't think he's played... It's amazing that I don't think Jared Goff has played any different than he normally plays, and they're putting up 35-plus. You could look at that as a positive. Uh, they're well, not a quarterback-centric offense.
1: I mean, he, I'm not saying, like, he's a lights-out stud now, but he's obviously helping the offense move. He's not holding them back, in my opinion, but...
2: No doubt, this will be another good test. There for him. were there were times in that game, and I, I think Lions fans were with me, where they were kind of frustrated with them, and it's crazy they're putting up over thirty five. It's a credit to their coaching staff. Um, Rodrigo, by the way, PFF's top ranked defensive rookie no, last week. Love really, it. we had a monster That's game. That's awesome. Yeah, he was That's great. Awesome. Um, and that was the worst.
1: Uh, there have been bad Cousins performances, but. He could have thrown five interceptions on Monday. Like <laughs> he was he was a deer in the headlights, which should not be happening for a guy that's no. been around as long as he has. One last note on the Lions and again it goes back to they're kind of the team of ATL, I think. Is that fair? Are I'm they, with it. If we want to go vote, all yeah. the I way, do we want to do it? I think let's let's do it. They're the team of around the all NFL right. that, 2023. That's
2: unusual. We and, have not had a team of around the NFL in about 3 seasons cuz we just stopped the green. That's amazing. Um, <laughs>
1: Dan Skipper from Hard Knocks was the center who, when they did the montage in episode five, um, they did some quick cuts NFL films, and they showed him um, on the verge of tears when he was told he was being cut. He had been uh, six years basically on the practice squad, thought he was going to make it, didn't make it. And one thing, and, and he said he, a line that really stuck with me in that finale, you could hear his, his uh, lip was almost quivering, and he says you know, is there anything I can do? And then they cut away from it, which I thought, you know, Graver, you're the producer of the Hard Knocks podcast with me and Connie. I thought that was like a show of like kind of growth of Hard Knocks as an entity for not kind of living in that moment, hardcore and like letting that guy hang out to dry on p- premium cable. It just hinted at it. And then it turns out he went from getting a uh, cut from the final 53 to starting on Sunday. He graded out w- pretty well on PFF. And after the game in the locker room during the post game, um, this went down with Dan Campbell.
5: Hey, skip. Nice freaking job.
1: <laughs> and it's just like a the the empathy that in that building and it's all coming from the top with Dan Campbell. It's legit and and pass hard knocks you would see a coaching staff I feel like pretend that they really cared about the players. Uh this organization there's just a lot of feel good vibes and I think it's translating on it the field. It is the
3: perfect team for around the NFL this season and Skipper's 6 foot 9, he barely fits in a door. So I don't <laughs> know how you get get his lip to quiver unless Something this very is that a perfect uh, You're saying moment? Saying a big man
2: can't be emotional? No, I'm happy to see that <laughs> that he that he's in touch with his emotions. It's a big moment, not only getting around the NFL uh, team of ATL, but. Hey, go get a winning record. They're six-point underdogs in this game. I picked them That's to win this game. I like them to win this game. Too I much think wood for winna- Kirk Cousins after what we saw on Monday. This I is agree. a winnable game. Let's go uh, Let's go be special. I don't like the way I put that,
1: actually, because Cousins – the primetime <laughs> thing is real. Cousins on a Sunday early off slot – Off a bad loss. Off yeah. a bad loss in his building could At absolutely home. go off with Justin Jefferson again. Anyway, right. we got to keep moving. Uh, Greg, the draft turns to you.
2: Yeah, I guess I'll take uh, – Bucks Packers. I got to. I just feel like for the integrity of the board, H- have another Sunday with my guy, Tommy. And uh, I'm, I'm really feeling like another Sunday with my guy, Greg Olson. I am enjoying uh, the Greg Olson experience once again. The Brady offense right now is so weird. Uh, they're missing so many pieces, not just up front that we have talked about, but also Julio Jones is still out of practice this week. Mike Evans is suspended Uh, for this game. Like, Godwin is going to be out, most likely. He was out of practice. Gage hasn't been 100% healthy. He's throwing deep to Scottie Miller. And yet they, like, have been problem-solving. And uh, his numbers are bizarre. He is second in the NFL, only behind Jimmy Garoppolo, his, his former pupil. Uh, In time to throw. Get rid of the ball quickly. That's what Tom Brady's doing to protect himself. But he's fourth in the NFL in average depth of target. So even though I don't even understand how that works, how he's getting rid of the ball that quickly, and yet he's throwing the ball that deep, I think he's spinning it quite well. I have developing news. Okay. Oh. (laughs) On (laughs) Tom Brawl.
1: This coming directly from the newsroom, David Ealy, okay, director of news, making up that title, but it's probably something like that. Slightly accurate. Somewhat senior editor of news, NFL media. Um, reports, tweets that Tom Brady was favoring his bruised ring finger in practice, leading to questions after today's practice Thursday. He downplayed it to the media, said it feels great uh, but Also, not sure I'd call it a ring finger at this point. We don't know what's going on with that situation, but Whoa. Fair Wow, dude. What? Wow. I'll just leave it there.
2: That's my news report. Anyway, <laughs> just something, to track. That's something w- to track. That's that's worrying. He did practice, though, Wednesday after all those reports how he was going to skip practice Wednesdays. Remember that? We yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of like, I think he like oh, Come on. He, like, answered it. No. W- one thing, though, it's like the Bucks are going to try to win with running in defense, and that's basically how the Packers are trying to win. It's very strange. Aaron Rodgers, you know, and Tom Brady, both trying to win with running defense. But it's like Aaron Rodgers and, my, and Matt Lafleur—they they're trying to like uh, adapt to this life. Tom Brady and the Bulls, Assange, they were born in it. Mm. They love a little running and defense. I think the Bucks can do this. They've been a tough watch,
3: but I think they're—you're right. Their defense is what's carrying them right now. I I, I think if, if you're if you're Aaron Rodgers though, the play of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. That's what this team needs to be. I, like What they did against Chicago, and Aaron Jones has become a much bigger part of the passing game. I think he was their second leading receiver last week, and he's done a good job with that. So the Packers, you're right, are, are, they look different, they feel different, and it's interesting, but you don't need to lean on Aaron Rodgers, maybe, in this offense to do everything by himself. I do wonder if it's the
2: last time we'll ever see Brady and Aaron Rodgers play each other. It's too early in the season. They're, both of these teams are undercooked. They, like Both of these teams, I very much feel... Uh, I, I don't even care what happens in September. I just feel like they're going to be so much different. Uh, but it's it's different for Tampa Bay because they're playing around the lack of personnel. It's, like, it's an injury situation. When they're all healthy,
3: they'll three, be a different
2: offense. Even, yeah, that's fair. On that's
1: 345 fair. Park, when they're like putting together the schedule, and they're like, how do we want to lay out the beginning of the season? It's like, all right, Bears definitely week two primetime against the Packers. They're like, oh, what about Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers? No, stick that in the late window <laughs> on the following Sunday. It's, a it's puzzling. A well, puzzling you got to you got to
2: take care of Fox too. You know, more Probably people taken care more of more
1: people watch those games. That you know kind under, of you know gets underrated. Mm-hmm. You know who got taken care of this week? Taken behind the woodshed shed and like slapped on the wrist with a ruler. Bruce Arians. Oh, for, <laughs> I thought you meant Mike <laughs> Evans for, for being for, suspended. For for, you know, re- well, I was gonna say reasons unknown, but there is a little more backstory now to it. Arians was on the sideline. He was on the white by the in, you know, he's basically inbounds yelling at an official at one point, <laughs> and the NFL. Had to send a warning about his conduct on the sideline. I love it. A letter of reprimand. A reprimand letter. And then this is is, I liked from Todd Bowles. I I really do. Despite it not working out in New York, I like Todd Bowles a lot. We ran into each other in the lobby at the combine at the hotel. And he asked me where the hotel lobby um, lady was. I said, oh, Todd, right down there. And then he looked at me like, do I know you? And then he didn't, and he kept walking. But just a nice exchange. He's looking great, very fit these days. Here's what he had Odd to tail. say. Here, here's what he, I think That's it's the second story. time I've told that story I love on the that show. Story. Um, the, here's what Bowles had to say when I asked about it. He's normally upstairs. This was the one time he was downstairs. How he said is exactly my inflection as well. Usually we handle our sideline pretty good. Everybody got irate we got to have better composure on the sideline as players and coaches. By the way, Bruce, you're neither. Go upstairs. (laughs) I thought part of the
3: reason was that they did not provide them a suite because the general manager was down there too.
1: I liked it. It's gamesmanship from New Orleans. They would not grant Jason Light, the GM, or Arians with their own suite. They only offered them press box. So they said, F that, don't disrespect us. So they went down to the sideline. It's all sorts of petty. It goes back to why that's a great rivalry. And you also you have
3: Bruce Arians being taken behind a woodshed and slapped with a ruler. That's an odd punishment. I don't, that's not what Do I would put in
2: the press box all the time, by the way. Uh, I don't know if that was like a new but thing. But not Bruce. I'm going down to the
1: sideline, and I'm going to give this official, you know, place he, of my mind. He's
2: now playing the role that you've, you've brought up with some, like, grand... Parents or like older figures that you, it's like you know when they get older and you're you almost gotta be worried what they're gonna do around around other people it's like he's just a little bit of a wild card you gotta watch out for old Grandpa Bruce <laughs> what coach uh, has the last coach hanging around on the sideline that's an uh, odd what scenario. is it
1: it was a great Netflix comedy special I'm upset now the he tells a story about his dad forgetting to close the door when they go to a restaurant when they park uh and he's like he saw dad leave the door open and he's like up. Oh, Dad can't be in charge anymore.
2: <laughs> Nate Borghazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, He's great. Great. All right. Let's I'm speed up the pace. Let's go. Here we go. I'm choosing Chiefs and Colts because I haven't had a Tony Romo game, uh, and I want to just be in You're the a great— You're too announcer reliant no, at this I haven't point. No, I, I haven't been. Uh, I do really want to watch this game because the Colts are a cornered animal, and Reach. I am— I'm, like, newly intrigued by the Chiefs. Not that I— Needed to be excited to watch Patrick Mahomes play football, but they're just a team where we've seen two different performances, both being intriguing in both of these two weeks. They could blow the doors off the Colts, and I would be entertained, or this could be a sneaky, close game, which wouldn't surprise me because it means so much to the Colts, and they have to get it ready. Uh, But more than anything, yeah, I just miss Tony. It's been three weeks. I haven't uh, had him yet, and I Mm. want him. I, I don't think this is going to be a close game. Although, I mean, this is essentially – I
3: don't I don't like saying this in week three, but the Colts go down here and they're 0-3, and they've lost three games convincingly. Like, I, I just – I think that's sort of their season on some level. This will make or break them, how they but, respond. But not it, because of the division. I'm with you, but because of the division, I feel well, that's, like it changes things. In the things. South, they, they went on a run last year. When, but but they, the, Patrick Mahomes has been awesome against Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator. It's not a good matchup there. The, the Chiefs can rush the passer. Matt Ryan, to me, has been the most depressing quarterback watch in the league, and I think he looks – he's been under duress nonstop. He threw a ton of terrible interceptions last week because of that. Jonathan Taylor did not get going in the first half, and I don't think that, like, in terms of game script, that it's really a Jonathan Taylor-type game if you're down 14 nothing in the first quarter. I don't know what to like about Indianapolis in this.
2: I mean, they haven't – nothing that they've shown on the field so far. They just were that, jobbed last just week. Just that teams play differently – uh, they need to protect. I think they'll probably get Pittman back, it sounds like. Which, which, he's practiced. Which would be big. Maybe their rookie, Huge. Alice Pierce. Uh, but you mentioned Gus Bradley. That's the depressing part, is that it's not only the protection uh, for the Colts and the offense. Gus Bradley, <sighs> he's just a tough watch as a defensive coordinator because he just kind of lets you eat those eight-yard gains. And that's how the Chiefs, even in a bad year, Dan, last year uh, when, when Mahomes played Gus Bradley, he put up 240-burgers. In prime mm-hmm. time, I know that was with the Raiders, but it's I, I felt the same watching Trevor Lawrence just pick apart uh, the the Colts last week. This is also a slightly
3: sort of an Andy Reid bye week because they've got a, they've had a lot of time off, and Andy Reid is excellent coming off
2: of extra time to prepare. By the way, Chiefs uh, lose Willie Gay for four games suspension. Uh, that's a big loss. Uh, he was one of, if not their their best defensive players a week ago. Like. That's a position off-ball linebacker they've struggled with over the years, and they finally found like they found a good group with him and Bolton, and and they'll miss him for four weeks.
1: The beginning of the telecast of the Colts Jaguars game when they were talking about oh you know the Colts they'll figure this out without Michael Pittman, Naheem Himes will be more involved in the passing game, <laughs> and it was like Uh-oh. uh oh, and they even had the first completion. But in general, like yeah, if you're gonna if this is gonna be the protection you give Matt Ryan, if this is going to be the skill group you're going to give around him. Like the first interception he threw when he didn't kind of put himself into throw and try to sneak one in with the, off his back foot from midfield it was easily intercepted. Was like He can't make a lot of different throws at this stage of his career. Things need to be set up well for him, and they haven't been. Uh, not good. Not good at all. Not a great
2: pick by Greg either, I thought. Strange pick. Could have gotten that later in the draft, I think. I mean, you could have taken Lions Vikings at any point. No, no. <laughs> Because I know, uh, I know. Um, well, you certainly Kessler is uh, I know, into it. Yeah, I I know, you I, I know You're into it. No, I would not have taken that. That would not have been in my top. But Dan, four, I think you're, one PM. you're correct yeah. that I might have. But, but yeah, you, you may But, have. but, yeah, but you were have. you picking between his two picks? No, you were not. No, but I'm saying I so so didn't want to. I didn't know if you weren't going to do it. Also, I knew. take
3: take what you want. Don't right. worry about well, it. Well, that's why I took the Chiefs. Unless you take,
1: unless you take the Colts fourth overall.
3: There's a there's a then lot of mistakes. like um, no. endless
2: critiquing of other people's choices on this draft, <laughs> and I that we. By the way, that's and it. That's the in fun. the lock zone. I I'm almost surprised, but I guess right. uh, I will I, I will grab a late Chiefs. game now again.
1: People think that I don't know what people think. Some people know what Zeuser thinks because I did an AMA on the Around the NFL Reddit yesterday. Check that out. Like over 400 questions, I believe, came in. I got to as many as I could. Uh, check that out. Did you reveal anything of a personal nature? About you mostly, yes. I'm going to have to read this. Yes, Very about some me. very personal things about you Uh-oh. were. <laughs> um, so check that out. I have to grab a four. What I was going to say is we're actually watching these games that we're drafting on Sunday. So you need to, when you draft, make sure you got your two windows covered. Now the late window for me, I'm going to take something. And I like Rams at Cardinals. Oh, how dare you? at State Farm Stadium at 425, sticking it to Ceci. uh, Always good. Just like in fantasy football dressing, you could stick it to the guy that's right behind you. It it almost justifies everything. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, I'm nonplussed because that was exactly where I was going to go. But tell me why you picked it. All right, so I picked the game because, yes, and I did. I rewatched the Rams, and uh, I know, Mark, you were pretty hot in the pants about it. Ants in the pants about the Rams uh, nearly blowing that game against the Falcons, and I still kind of came out of it like, oh, yeah. They were up twenty-eight-three. You know that they did. They were taking care of business, and then they got complacent, a little sloppy, and gave up a special teams touchdown, uh, and then needed Jalen Ramsey to high point that interception at the end. So, not a not a stellar kickoff to their uh, their uh, title defense by any stretch. Uh, but they did get that win. Uh, so they enter this game one and one. The Cardinals. We know what happened on Sunday. Come back from twenty down, twenty zip at the half to to beat the Raiders. So I think this will be a good test here. Which version, two teams that you have, there are definitely reasons to be concerned about them, and you could look at them one way and be like, ooh, I don't know, these teams kind of seem like they'll be also runs come January. Or you look Whoa. at them a different way, and you're like, okay, I can make a case for either of these teams making a deep run into January. Let's see where they're at in week three. Let's fly. I mean, the one thing here after the way that last season ended for the Cardinals in Los Angeles with a depressing playoff loss. In as bad as it
3: gets. It, it was about as, as bad, bad as, as it, it was gets. was for the
1: Titans on Monday Night Football, that's how bad a playoff game was for the Cardinals in January we were there. And,
3: and it's been a theme against the Rams. McVay owns Cliff Kingsbury, 6-1 and one against them. In five of those games, the Rams scored 30 or more. And this Cardinals defense, for whatever happened last week, I know it ended with the defensive play to end the game. Their defense has been a massive mess. And so I like this because I wasn't sketchy about the Rams' offense last week. It was their defense. And I don't know if you're going to get Arizona's offensive performance and what you got from Kyler Murray on a week-to-week basis because I still factor in week one and how messy and disorganized they look. And the Rams have done that to Arizona over and over. But what I love about last week, because I was wondering at some point, can Kyler Murray... Lift the offense on his own because they're, they've are they just been a mess. And what happened last week was Kyler Murray playing the kind of game where you believe he can do almost anything. Can he double down and do it against this Rams defense this week? We'll see. They needed
2: his legs to turn that game around. And you do wonder. Made if, a couple amazing he, throws too. Right, but even a lot of those throws were because he was running around and it was out of structure. And, and I think they had some design runs. He had some scrambles. And then you have the plays like the two-point conversion. I mean, the two-point conversions were a perfect encapsulation of what makes Kyler so great. Because one is with the legs, it's outrageous. And the other was just a pure throw from the pocket that I don't know if a six-foot-two quarterback could have made. You needed to be short to get it through that little window there. Easy, Greg. <laughs> right, maybe not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's ridiculous. And yet I don't know if they they're comfortable leaning into his legs as like a base part of their offense. They've definitely gone away from it over the last year and a half. They're trying to keep him healthy. Right, he keeps getting hurt. So I don't know what they do well. Like the fact that they've spent the whole offseason talking about building the defense around Isaiah Simmons and then they benched them for week 2 for the most part. Uh I I don't like this defense at all. I love the history uh, of what the Rams have brought to the table. I love that McVay, just to feel alive, is playing uh, squarnick at fullback for 20 snaps, and it's working, and that's why I'm locking up the oh, Rams. Very nice. Very nice. I like that. On the that. road. That's, that's a gutsy uh, lock.
1: Hey, the Isaiah S- Simmons, former first-round pick, he had the uh, fumble a uh, forced fumble in sure. overtime, uh, but he was benched for most of that game. And I thought it was interesting. They asked about Isaiah Simmons on Monday. Here's what Cliff Kingsbury had to say.
5: I think he's giving us whiplash, I would say, you know, like it's, he can be as good as he wants. I'll say that. And he knows that he knows that's how we feel about him. We've, we've addressed it many times. I think um, it's a commitment to football all day, every day, and, and mm. being the best possible player you can be. And you see the flashes.
1: Uh, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, Another first round pick of the Cardinals, another guy that's vitally important to what they're trying to do. And you have the organization publicly saying you need to be more invested and into what's going on here. Uh, Just notable to me. I wonder I, if he gets I, more playing time yeah. after that play. I had,
2: not, I had not heard that. Maybe they should send him over to Kyler's for a study group. Oh, did you, know, you not? put that you didn't read the, the, the power rankings because I actually wrote about it. I did bit. not see that in the power oh, rankings. Okay. I had that saved for this oh, weekend. You probably
1: did read it, but then it just went in and just out. You've got mind. so much going on. Do you
2: yeah. read our, 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 the articles yes, that we create? I'm sure you read <laughs> NFL.com slash game picks this week. Everything. Everything. <laughs> All right, let's uh, take a break, and we'll be right back.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired.
1: Mark Sessler, the floor
3: is yours. I am going to select the late game, as you said. we got to structure these days Jacksonville at the Chargers. Thought about it. Nearly pulled the trigger. Jacksonville they become interesting I mean I think Trevor Lawrence last week we finally got the game that you were waiting for because it was a week-to-week situation where Lawrence for all the things he does well just missing two or three throws that you want back each week and that was not the case last week he played a really clean game can you possibly if you're the Jaguars hang with Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. Herbert's I, definitely playing? Well I mean I, I see no reason why he won't. Because this but game we'll,
2: becomes like kind of Terrible if Justin well, Herbert's yes, it would, involved. But I'm assuming he is. Let's we don't. All Chargers games should be banned without Justin Herbert right? Till 2037. Did you hear what happened with the, uh, not to get too off track, the last quarterback
1: for the Chargers? Suing the, the team, uh, Tyrod Taylor, for the injection he received before week one or two uh, in Herbert's rookie year that led week to one. being deactivated with a, a lung issue of some kind? Uh, now ongoing litigation about that, which basically Wally pipped him out of a job. Herbert was Lou Gehrig to this um, Wally pip. Feels like he's uh, got a strong case. Yeah. Well, so you know what's yeah. even
2: crazier is that was from a rib cartilage injury, and there's been some talk that's the exact type of pregame shot that Justin Herbert may need to uh, get nice. before this week's game.
1: Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I agree.
3: Hopefully so a I different have- – <laughs> maybe a different doctor this time. <laughs> anyway, go on, Mark. Well, I just—I mean, Jacksonville's defense is for real too. They, they have the number three DVOA defense, and, and to me, it's a—it's a just a measuring stick for Jacksonville under Doug Peterson. I, I mean, it was last week; they dominate mm-hmm. the Colts over and
1: over. But I would want to see what they can do against Justin Herbert. Josh Hunter. Allen is doing things. You got the Trayvon, uh, Trayvon Walker doing things. Yeah, this, this is interesting. I'm feeling really good about my sandwich prop that the Jaguars are in the playoff mix in week 18 because you look at what's going on in this division. Even by AFC South, you're a muffs, a uh, grave dagger. Even by AFC South standards, this is not good. Houston's bad. The Colts are totally lost. The Titans are a team without an identity right now. And then there's the Jaguars who look frisky. The quarterback looked a lot better in week two. Uh, Christian Kirk looks like a good signing. James Robinson's making play. Travis Etienne is going to continue to uh,
2: get better, uh, and the defense is making plays. This is spicy. Yeah, this is a show me week because it's they've never won a road game with Lawrence. Uh, it's it's Lawrence versus Herbert, which is an unfair comparison for any rookie quarterback, but I mean uh, any young quarterback but hey, this was supposed to be a generational guy. Let, let's let see you build on that. Very solid performance a week ago, uh, but they've done it against the commander's defense and they've done it against the Colts' defense. It's a big step up in class for the Jaguars' offense specifically. I think this Chargers' defense is very sound. They made life difficult. And if Trevor and this offense can look frisky again this weekend, you're right, they're you're using Kirk really well. James Robinson off that Achilles surgery, uh, impressive. Like, if they can look, Even just solid. Put up 23 points and make the game close. I'll feel a lot better about this this Lawrence team. But this is a much bigger test. By the way, I did check GoGetMyLunch.org to double-check that this morning. You guys both took
1: me on those sandwiches, too.
3: What was it again? That they're just going to be... The Jaguars will be
1: mathematically postseason eligible by week 18.
3: Okay. I mean, I took you on everything.
2: Like, I don't disagree with the fact that they were... I thought they would be frisky this year. By the way, J.C. Jackson returned quickly for that Thursday game with the ankle injury and then really hurt them, was one of their worst defenders, might miss this game. They know what they're doing over there. Might miss this game. The Chargers know what they're doing. Between what happened with Herbert at the end of the game, J.C.
1: Jackson is a free agent acquisition at the highest level, and you're kind of rushing him back for a Thursday night football game? Radar. (laughs) Radar's up. Sessler. All right. Going to go Eagles
3: at the Commanders. I think Jalen Hurts might be the most exciting development in the NFL right now. I, I just absolutely love what I saw on Monday night. And Washington, the, the Eagles in general feel like an <laughs> NFC title. Would you please shut up? I am begging got you it. to shut up.
0: <laughs> we got our AI Heavens drops. to Betsy. <laughs> Get that one too.
3: <laughs> I don't know what to make of Washington now. Betsy. <laughs> I don't want to make of Washington because it's like they are so streaky and I and yet this version of Carson Wentz kind of works for me. I mean, you're gonna get two or three plays a game where he's gonna kill you, but they're fun, they're productive and to me, if you were the Colts, you would much rather want have this version of Carson Wentz than what you're getting with Matt Ryan right now sure I, it's, it's funny would like,
1: you not? no the thing that's funny is people were so hung up on the last two games of the season uh, in Indianapolis. That They forget that this is kind of who Carson Wentz always is. He's very streaky. He will make your offense stuck in mud for one half and then throw two or three touchdowns on four drives in the second half Probably not a championship quarterback, but also not quite
2: as helpless but and hopeless. He kind of turtle three out of his last four games. It was how it ended, where I get he it. became a huge problem. I get it. Whereas in, these first two games, right. yeah, he's been up and down, but he's been okay. But that's
1: who he is. Like, yeah, yeah. The ups, are, I think that I guess this is what I mean. The downs suck. Like the lows with this guy are brutal. But I think the highs are a little higher than people give him credit. For. I agree with
2: you. This is the first time he's As played. As we all know, decided to really go ahead and uh, start to take command. He exactly. has started, too, at times. I, w- I wish had this times. game was in Philadelphia. Um, that would that would be fun. You know, you could follow up the Jalen Rager boos. I mean, Carson Wentz, they're, they're going to go crazy when he comes into town. Hear, this is you is hear in Washington. Uh, A.J. Brown, by the way, in the post-game interview? And they're
1: asking about, it. oh, yeah, all these different celebrities. He's like, yeah, man, Philly's lit. it it was a nice Philly moment I will say as much as we talked about the Jalen Rager stuff like a nice Philly moment on Monday night that was a
2: party it it absolutely was it was like that Michael Vick uh, Monday night game and I think this team has more staying power Uh, and I think they're going to really test Washington's communication they lost their center last week Chase Roulier, who's one of their better offensive linemen is now out for the season I believe or at least he's on injured reserve Uh, and that is how you get after Carson Wentz like Test whether he can get the protection set. Test his pocket presence. See if you communicate. And they have guys up front. They got Hargrave. They got uh, Fletcher Cox. Like their defense holding, uh, you know, the Vikings to seven points almost got lost in the in the Jalen Hurts excitement. Uh, but they're very deep up front. And then on the back end, their defense looked like the 2021 Washington defense a year ago. Just like a whole lot of people looking at each other, being like, you got him? Oh, wait, did you Uh-oh. have him? Oh, oh Do I got him? And then the Eagles, more than almost any offense in the league right now, I think really test you uh, because of their run pass options and, and just being really sound in your assignment. Like, this isn't a spot for Carson Wentz to be down 28 points and
3: coming back. No. But, I mean, this, this, Washington's defense gave up 241 yards midway through the second quarter a week ago. So they're very vulnerable, and I think the Eagles, to me, are one of the most explosive
1: offenses around because Jalen Hurts can kill you in so many different ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Number three in the power rankings, the Eagles. They are – I think we're all in on them. Greggy, I give you credit. You were in a little earlier, although you're always in on the Eagles, so it's like at what point do you just say, well, he's – Perpetually in. FYI, they were more though. Even, they were my
2: Super yeah, Bowl Mark pick. Was team two. Two. Mark was in too. Mark was in. Two. What about
1: on the podcast? I know no, on yeah. the website, no, I, but I, what did you uh, say? On this show?
3: yeah, he, universally. He, oh, is that? Are you doing that I had now? Them, I had them lose the Super Bowl though, <laughs> so I'm not quite in. A, but a you Jesus were bag.
2: throughout the off season, and my yeah. excitement was was with Hertz too. I did have him in the playoffs a year ago, but to your point, uh, I'm you, always. You're doing universal picks now for the website
1: and the podcast and TV. Because you've always mixed it up in the past. I like to mix it up because one of them will probably be right.
2: But no, I'm, I'm going oh, yeah. across you, the board. I saw how you sent that to our text group that, like, <laughs> all 10 NFL analysts picked uh, the Browns over the Jets. I when did. They sent I sent that the thing. And two the of them. the ATN Bastardo yeah, chat. Yeah, two of them were on that text chain, Colleen Wolf and Mark Sessler. Yeah, just but, a little, hey, I see that. Somebody sent it to me, and well, I said you really oh. What a
1: powerful dunk
3: on <laughs> well, us that what was. What I was trying to say, 360 you, you, knew, you knew
2: when you sent that out, your old buddy uh, – 60% G over here had faith in the Jets. No love for that. Well, what do you want me to do? Yeah, just just point that out. Like, how, like, much, Greg, how much how much credit believed. do you need, Greg? That's it. Like, it's not That's enough that level. I
1: singled you out just now, <laughs> maybe even erroneously More. about the Eagles. More. It's like, what a great job. Greg. More credit, please. Uh, speaking of the Jets, easy slam dunk for me here. Because not only is it the Jets with some, like, optimism after the miracle in um, Cleveland. What could go wrong? Exactly. But there's also, we just did a whole episode about who's our, the most dangerous cornered animal, Cincinnati Bengals, defending conference champions. So now the 0-2 Bengals travel to the Meadowlands to take on the Jets. By the way, the last time these two teams played at the Meadowlands, it was the Mike White game. So the Jets, even last year, as bad as they were, beat the Cincinnati Football Club. And now you have a Bengals team, obviously desperate. Things are different now, I feel like, than they used to be, especially now there's an extra playoff spot. 0-3 is still deep doo-doo to be in, but you could climb out, but you certainly do not. If you're the Cincinnati Bengals want to lose three in a row here. Um, And not for nothing, if they ever did, you get beat by Pittsburgh, Dallas and jets. It's not like you're, you're against the league's powerhouses that you're losing these games. So they really need to take care of business. And just to put a final bow on the miraculous nature of the jets win. And I'll say it in a positive and a negative way. Uh, the, the negative of it is that they got beat up. The The Browns kind of executed their game plan on the Jets for 58 minutes. And the Jets look very much like the Jets of every season we've done this podcast for most of that game. Um, but there is something to be said for a team and an organization perpetually in the wilderness that now has some actually exciting talent on the roster that then gets a hugely potentially galvanizing win early in the season that makes them believe a little bit what kind of version of the Jets do we get? Some crazy stats, because um, it was the special teams that won that game more than anything else. Um, Boy, and Nick Chubb not taking a knee. But that doesn't bother you.
2: Here's at all. the thing. I, it, what
1: did, do you mean? That doesn't bother you at all.
3: Right? I, it does. I, it bothers me because that's a coaching breakdown. They should have told them. Don't focus on okay, the here. I
2: know. I know. It's a random point, but everyone made this point, I feel like, and didn't totally watch that play. Like, yes, he could have gone out of bounds there, and if, if they had told him before that play, that's probably what he would have done. But he needed to pick up that first down, and he was making someone miss to pick up that first down. It would have been impossible nah, for bro. him to get up at the The at coach the one. said no. he should have done it. The, like, the no, running no, no, back I said know. he should have done said
1: it. He so, anyway, a few fun facts about Braden Mann's onside kick, and it, it was um, uh, for the record the the... the Special teams coach is Brant Boyer. So shout out to Brant Boyer for what they were able to do in this game. But they had um, that was just the sixth successful onside kick in Jets history, the first since 1997, the first successful onside kick in a Jet win since 1972. So th- that well, was a miracle. Not typically in games to, to do an onside kick late in, late in the, the affair. Typically not. But now here well, we that's are. That's a
0: great point, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: leaving. So here we are. Joe Flacco is the quarterback. Let's see what he can do. Cincinnati obviously has to protect Greg. He has to protect Burrow. And Burrow needs to, for his part, do better himself, understanding the situation, getting the ball out. Uh, teams are playing Cincinnati differently, and they need to adjust. I'm
2: just so tired of this storyline. <laughs> like, oh, you did. You savagely took out the head coach on Tuesday. I forgot. Just, we just we're just keep talking about the same thing. <laughs> and And you're right about Burrow. He struggled last week when he was protected. And that, that was the most concerning part. It's not like he's under pressure every single snap. On the snaps where he has had time uh, and where he, the, the pressure never got there at all, they're not really hitting uh, for bigger plays. So I think that speaks to your point, Dan, about how defenses are playing them off a little and that they haven't adjusted and that they haven't run the ball Very well. Lyle Collins, who Jerry Jones said he watched every single one of Lyle Collins' week one snaps leading into week two. Lyle Collins plays for the Bengals. Jerry Jones' break. Here's what it's about. (laughs) That was his way of saying – This guy is a turd. I didn't want him. That's why I got rid of him. Look how he's playing right now for the Bengals. I'm watching him. I'm not going to say that he's struggling, but he is struggling. And, oh, by the way, his back is hurt again, and he's out of practice, and he has struggled. He's been a a big part. Maybe the biggest part uh, of the problem of their line is that their tackles have struggled. That's their first-round pick and their big free agent pickup, and, and they've both struggled. I mean, it is true though that teams have played the Bengals differently.
3: They have the worst ranked offense by DVOA, but it's that it, they are taking away big plays and forcing them to run the ball. And last year, when they were dominant, what set up a lot of those big plays was Joe Mixon in the ground game. And they have not been able to run the ball well, and it's keeping teams able to do what they're doing. It's like you're challenging; they're challenging them downfield. And when you can't run the ball, it's like you're not going to keep them honest. So I think the Bengals. If you were imagining the season for Cincinnati, and I told you they would lose to Mitch Trubisky. Cooper Rush and potentially Joe Flacco this you week. have to win this That would game. be a nuclear disaster. Can but the
2: Jets go unplug the state of Ohio? That You have to win this game if you're the Bengals. And if you're the Jets, you're seeing this as a very winnable game.
1: Joe Flacco went off at the end of that game. He has – these are the playmakers. He has Garrett Wilson, who's a hit-the-ground-running playmaker at rookie wide receiver. Elijah Moore, who hasn't even blown up yet, but is an absolute playmaker. Who's Watch out for this Sunday. Got a little bit of a feeling about that. Corey Davis – has a role on this team, and he made a big play on Sunday. Michael Carter and Brees Hall are both very good running backs. If the Jets have another big offensive performance, I'm the BS meter, I'm calling it, because I know Salah came out again this week and said, absolutely, Zach Wilson, he's ready to go. As soon as he's cleared, he's playing. If they score 30 points and they look really good on offense, Joe Flacco's playing next week against Ooh. Pittsburgh.
3: Do they move into the top 10 of your power rankings if they win this game?
1: They will Where be do you have them now after last week's? 25. Th- if they win... If they win against the Bengals, they'll be about 18 or 19 probably. Is that okay with you? If they beat the Bengals, I, yeah. I think that I, I'd have to look at the rest it's of the Marks, league, but I'm
3: not Marks sure Raider. about that. I just
1: to be picking something there, up There's a chance Zeller. to be like Something some, about some that Jets Brown there. outcome is, seems to be triggering <laughs> a reaction. Well, I mean, look,
3: it's that kind of thing will never happen again Do in our lifetime. Do you think 32
1: to 25 is an unfair jump in the power rankings? That's what it was off that win. No, I don't think it's unfair. Did those
2: those two teams looked pretty even to me though? I didn't like like that was a tie game in the fourth quarter too. It wasn't like it was like a crazy come. I mean, it was a crazy comeback, but they also were back and forth. How many teams in the NFL have more than four have four players over 120 yards from scrimmage? Jets Jets are one of them. Uh, two. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing. It's probably oh, only one. That's how they're spreading out, and that doesn't right. even include more barriers.
1: I'm so. fun. I'm 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 very I'm very excited. This is fun. Let's do it, Greg.
2: You're up in the draft. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm fun. I got to take the cornered animal game. Raiders and Titans. Good one. Good pick. And um, Good. this was the hardest game I think to pick all week. Maybe you guys disagree. I'm f- with you. I flipped. Coffee. I flip flop my picks. At first I thought Titans. You could just see them winning this game because it doesn't make sense, and everyone's hurt, and it's an organizational win, and like this oh. is who the Titans are, and they've been doing it for an a long orgy time. W. It's like Mike is good at making you know the, the some of its parts even greater, and then. On the other hand, Josh McDaniels so far is finding ways to lose games. And yet I just – at the very end, I had to switch it back to the team that just passed the eye test and looked better, and that's the Raiders. Like, I'm keeping an eye on Chandler Jones. He hasn't done anything through two weeks, and this is a week. You should be able to take advantage of that. Is it a bad
1: Chandler Jones year? It could be.
2: Uh-oh. So far. Yeah, this is – See, now when things come up in the show, I, like, get flashbacks. Do you guys remember – I said something about Chandler Jones, and then Wes interjected immediately, almost like you just did there. Mm. And we ended up getting in a whole fight about Chandler Jones. Uh, not in a fight, but he was like, you're really you really." What if Wes just went Chandler inside my Jones- body,
1: and we're about to have a highly detailed football-centric uh, debate? It, no, it's not going to happen.
2: It no. is a... <laughs> It is a reminder, though, how Chandler Jones's career has gone on and on, and he's had his ups and downs. And right now, it might be it might be a down. They need him. Their defense was unimpressive a week ago, but I still think they have a lot on offense to be excited about. And I'm worried about this Titans secondary. That's that's the part that bothers me, Graver.
4: Do you remember when Chandler Jones in Week One last year had five sacks against the Titans Ooh, in that's one a game? game? Yes, we Good do. Point. How, how many did he have
2: the rest of the
1: year? I think he finished like 13 or something, right? He got well, hurt. defense he got off hurt. a no, That's hurt. right. That's right. Okay. Christian Fulton
2: okay. looks like he'll be back. Who's the best Titans cornerback? So that's that's a good sign. But I just feel like the they're not matching much of a pass rush in their secondary. Well, really. and they're concerned the Titans
3: that Taylor Lewan could be out for the year with a knee injury, and you've got Max Crosby and the Raiders rush. I I don't like that situation. To me, watching the Titans, and I mean, I I understand when you play the Bills, this can happen to a lot of teams. The wheels completely fell off. I thought they were psychologically broken about (laughs) nine minutes into that game. Honestly, just the look on the face of Mike Rabel and the rest of the crowd, and I just feel like this Titans offense... Uh, John Robinson, it's on you. I feel like they were they they stuck around what they do one year too long. They lost A.J. Mm. Brown. They're leaning too hard on Derrick Henry. And there doesn't seem a way out of this. I just don't know if they're really – you're in that division. You're right, Dan. They, they could win eight – they go eight and nine and win that That's division. That's their saving grace. That's their saving grace. But do we, we like, win a game do like, like this. the
1: direction that this Titans team is There's going no in? There's no way you could like it. But, Justin, I'm curious, your thoughts. Obviously, here are my thoughts about the game. Like, it was – obviously bad and disappointing on Monday, but then I thought to myself, as you spin forward here, that was, you were sent up there to be slaughtered, and they were, and the Buffalo celebration was on by the second quarter. Um, I didn't come out of it thinking that, oh, they're so much worse than I thought. I just thought the Bills are so much better than just about everybody else right now. So this is a great matchup for them, in my mind, against a Raiders team that is desperate, yes, but also, you know, a middle-of-the-pack, maybe a little better team. If, if the Titans are as well-coached as we've always said and if we really do believe in Ryan Tannehill to find a way and and if we think Derrick Henry is not actually a step slow, it's just that the blocking has been bad, find a way, Titans. Uh, and if you don't want to be called the, call the Tytoons don't get beat here in your mm. building in a huge spot. Do you think they find a way here? Just be honest with me right now. Or do you think this team's lost? Threat. That was a I threat. I don't.
4: Honestly, I picked the Raiders this week. Okay. Hmm. And I think that okay. Devontae Adams is going to go off the way Stephon Diggs did because the Titans don't like to do, like, a shadow coverage with their best cornerback. They don't like to roll safeties and bracket guys. They just like to play their scheme. And, you know, when you come up with a, against a superstar receiver like Diggs last week or Adams this week, I really think if you got Adams in fantasy football. They're having, they're having an they're identity happening. crisis. They started
1: you, 0-2 last year, got the number one seed.
4: You know who their number different one receiver is? Very different. Uh,
2: Graver, off the top Ooh. of your head.
4: Sorry? You know who their number one
2: receiver is so far this year? The Titans? Is it Kyle Phillips? It's Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks.
4: Traylon Burks is That's the highest with 100 w. yards. Highest rated rookie receiver by Pro Football Focus right now. Oh, look at that.
2: He kind of just took do? the
1: summer off. I like what he did there. You know what you should do, Graver? You should do the thing where people covering a football game like the announcers, is like, oh, I don't pick. I don't pick. <laughs> I'm too close <laughs> to it. Professionally, I don't. I don't pick for
2: or against the Titans. I'm surprised. Then you're covered. I'm surprised at you, Graver. I had a policy. I never. I didn't pick against the Patriots for like fourteen years. Yeah, but uh, that was once. the Patriots. This is a different situation with the Titans. I like feel the
4: Fair. Titans are trying too hard to keep Derrick Henry ma- being a thing, and they need to evolve. That's okay, they're at. a um, year
2: beyond their formula. Speaking of, I'll take these Patriots Ravens. Uh, what a value! This late, this is uh, a really intriguing game to me um, because both teams. L- l- after two weeks, I just feel like there's so little we know about a lot of the NFL. I think the Ravens have some things they definitely feel good about. That Lamar is coming in sharp. That Rashad Bateman really looks like a dude. He can do it all. He can get deep. He can win in tight coverage. He runs great routes. Love that. Okay. Um, the Patriots, I think, have some things to feel pretty good about. They're running their offense totally different. Suddenly they're doing RPOs. They're in shotgun all the time. Uh, Their zone runs that everyone made fun of for a while, they did end the game mostly doing kind of their their power scheme, but that that was a statement, the way they ran the ball. They closed it out. They're they're running actually better right now, numbers-wise, than they did a year ago, uh, for what it's worth. So there's some things to feel good about for both of these teams, but there's also major question marks in the the Ravens' secondary. Uh, The Patriots have only allowed two touchdowns defensively, but I still don't really know who they are. And their passing game uh, is messy and doesn't necessarily look like the type of team that can take advantage of Baltimore. So they've struggled with Lamar, like most teams, uh, even in the best of times. This, This is a tough matchup for them.
3: I don't like this situation for New England on any level. I mean, their defense has been good. But I could see Lamar Jackson going off, and I don't trust New England's offense to climb out of a hole. I mean, they're a team that's going to score about 14 points a week. Their passing game to me is disjointed. I do think the line took a, they they did round it out last week, and that, they're going to have to run the ball a ton. But I like the Ravens in this so much. Oh, is he gonna?
1: Are you gonna do what he is I going think you're to do, do? What you
3: think he's going to do? He's going to lock it up for the Ravens.
1: How about, how about little Lock Brothers Inc? Because the old Zeus are also it. locking up the Baltimore Ravens. I just don't think the Patriots, I'm going to simplify this son of a gun. They're not going to score enough points. They're just not going to, and I understand, like what you said, Greg, they have issues with their secondary, the Ravens. We know it. We saw it. They got exposed in week two. But I'm not seeing enough from Mac Jones, and I'm going to give him a little heat here, too, because he's had some, as my kids say, some of his throws have been sus. Like, there have been some – when he just kind of hangs it out there, and it's like, oh, man, that's a reminder. I know he worked worked out a lot this offseason, got jacked. He still doesn't have great arm strength, and sometimes he tries to fit throws in, and, and the safeties are just licking their lips when it's in the air. And I think he's going to make a mistake or two, and that's just going to be an issue because Lamar Jackson, like we said earlier, he got completely upstaged by Tua and Miami's comeback, but he is – he is on one right now. He's on another level. He's throwing the ball better than he ever has. And I think the way mm. he's throw, passing the ball, the way he's running the ball, he has more rushing yards than anyone else on the Ravens combined. They are going to score 30 points in this game, I think. And I don't think the Patriots have that in their bones at this
2: stage. Plus, how annoyed are the Ravens? I, I think Belichick would, would obviously be disappointed if they annoyed. Give, up, give up 30 right. points. It's totally possible. I think they've looked well-coached defensively through two weeks. Very sound. Like the, the coaching concern hasn't been on the defensive side. That, that said, uh, I know they beat Lamar last year. It was a weird Lamar year. But for the most part, like, sound defenses that do their assignments right often don't have great answers for Lamar because what he does is, like, unsound. It's it's improvisational a lot of the times. And, yeah, he's hitting you with great throws from the pocket, too. So I, I'm with you guys that they would have to keep up, and that'll be tough to do. But, man, these the, this secondary for the Ravens, three rookies playing, three rookies. And it's not all high-drafted. Picks. it's a fourth rounder it's a, a seventh rounder I believe and, it, and it's Kyle Hamilton who, who had a mistake last week too and Marcus Peters playing in his first right. game after a year off Marlon Humphrey's missing practice time there's there's something here with this defense not being but great but it's a good matchup to have problems in your secondary right it
3: goes
1: both ways it's kind Reagan, of week on week you, you've you been pumping up Mac Jones in the past mm-hmm. everything you're saying right now makes sense alright Mac Jones throw three touchdown passes and throw for three yards okay. Do it. If you're actually you know, a guy who's more than just a system quarterback that you have to kind of hope doesn't have to take a game over. He's in a
2: bad situation, Right, the too. official uh, Mac Jones position this year, Dan, yeah. um, is that it's the coaching fault, no I matter know. what the happens. I- you know what's the irony? I think that's fair, though. <laughs> sure, but the irony of this is, like, last year... I haven't totally hated what I've seen out of two weeks, but he's made... Two or three throws, to your point, that were really rough each week, and he didn't do that a year Well, he again. had one throw last week that was, it was, Cam Sutton, he threw
3: it to. One of the worst throws you'll see all week long, and it was it should have been an interception. Absolutely. Cam Sutton oh, dropped yeah. it.
2: Um,
1: no, I'm just, I think it's kind of funny, of all the first-round pick quarterbacks last year, you know, a lot of, was made of, Well, he's succeeding because he's in the best situation. He has the best surrounding supporting cast, the best coaching. And now you cut to the second season, and now it's like, well, he's failing because he doesn't have great coaching and a great supporting cast. I don't
2: think he's failing
0: so far. Let's give it some time. It's been okay.
1: Nice test. Let's take a break, and we'll
0: finish out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring – Oh, I think you're
1: <laughs> caught
0: flat footed in
1: a big spot. What should I do? Should I watch Gino fail again? That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> I like that for you. <laughs> no, you know what? I want to uh, watch the Saints and Panthers. No, I can't. I can't do that. I have to watch Geno fail. <laughs> it's been a real process yeah, here for no, you. No, it is. I told okay. you. I got caught flat-footed. Uh, Falcons at Seahawks. And I agree with you guys. I think the Falcons are better than last year, at least what we've seen so far. Um, it's commendable what they were able to do in Los Angeles on Sunday, getting back into that game. Um, didn't finish it off. And it was another Marcus Mariota mistake that doomed them. That's two weeks in a row that's happened. Um, but he, like, when we talk about entering the season, Mariota and, and like Trubisky, a couple like salve, hoping to, you know, salvage former first round picks. I'm way more confident that Mariota will continue to make plays and be a guy that can move an offense than Trubisky. Uh, and on the Seattle side, I just don't know what it is, uh, Greg to get excited about because you take out Jamal Adams, uh, from the defense that already was a little bit meh and, um. Like I said, not to belabor it, but they haven't scored a point in six quarters on offense now, so it's not much that I'm into about uh, that. And even D.K. Metcalf using him. I know we talked about last year you were, you were getting shots in on Russell Wilson that D.K. Metcalf likes playing with Geno Smith better, and it's like I don't know if, I don't know if D.K. Metcalf 60, would agree with that right now. He did have a 60-yard play
2: uh, overturned by a ridiculous uh, sure, I saw offensive that. lineman down the field penalty that had nothing to do with the play, but yeah. yeah.
1: But anyway, uh, I like – Man, who do I like in this game? <sighs> I know who I like. You like the Falcons. Absolutely. The Falcons. Seattle,
3: is they're the only team in is the he league. going to do it? No, well, I've already not. done it. already did it. They're the only he team in the to league that hasn't. You right? move off if know, you want to. I, I love our dual lock. Okay, I like being on the same team on that. I'm with you. I don't know what to like about Seattle at all. They haven't forced a three and out all season. Only team in the league. The opponents are averaging really? 7.4 plays against them. 7.4 4 yards per play. Uh, they have a league-low 48 offensive snaps. And so I get it. Geno Smith's completion percentage is like eight points higher than anyone else in the league. <laughs> but it doesn't translate to points. They're, yeah. a f- they're, if anything, a field goal offense. They haven't even been that. I don't, I, this is something that Pete Carroll's been pitching to us. This is going to be a long year. There's no formula to beat teams. And Atlanta's been, like, if nothing, if not totally frisky on offense. And I think this is the week where Arthur Smith, who has been as agitated as any head coach in the league during his press time is going to put it together. And this is a good situation for Atlanta, and they're a better team
2: than people think. Atlanta's absolutely played better than Seattle this year. I think they're a better team. I just picked this game with my heart and chose Seattle. See, I just I still do that. It's like, Graver, you're playing the Raiders. Just pick the team with your heart. You might as well. It's a it's a coin flip. And I took them, even though it doesn't make sense, because Gino's, Gino's stats are like hilarious. Even objectively if you remove my fandom from the situation it's hilarious that Pete Carroll made a huge point this week of saying he's got 80% uh, both weeks in a row we've never had a quarterback do that and then you Pete's actually saying some wild stuff <laughs> yeah. by the way it,
1: I, we're getting close to time he's kind of Pete. in a
2: bruce arian situation here you got he's in the arian zone here and then but actually his stats also in his yards per play when he throws over 10 yards is actually better than anyone else. He just hasn't done it uh, yeah, nearly you're enough. He's using a
1: butter knife to you know, cut this how you want it well, to Well, they be did cut. say they're going to let him
2: rip it downfield like, more. Okay, Do buy they, that? Oh, yeah. He's earned the, the right. I mean, fine. that You kind of need that. But here's what I don't like about Geno Smith <laughs> is everything else around him. <laughs> uh, even then, okay. Geno gets it's not these, are, these are stats that you can't yes. doubt through two weeks. DVOA, I know it's early, but they're 26th in defense. Their defense Not state. a very good
1: defense, yeah. They have
2: the 29th ranked rushing attack. Uh, and but then- that wasn't supposed
1: to be bad. Remember? Right, Remember so all their shot Penny they were and, and uh, stuff.
2: They have the 29th ranked uh, pass blocking offensive line and the 30th ranked run blocking offensive line. So I'm not trying to say Gino can succeed uh, in spite of all of that. All of that needs to be close to average or better, or this is going to be a, a punching bag situation for you guys somebody, all
1: season. Yeah, well, somebody uh, on on Twitter on the or on Reddit, the uh, AMA asked, like, how annoyed are you with? greg and all the gino stuff and i said 90 98 of the time on the show anything where it appears like there's an annoyance kind of ends when the cans come off for me that's how i feel about the gino i'm not actually annoyed about it what i'm actually i'm actually excited i told the uh, listener that it's just by we're just biding our time where greg will have to eat it and say you know what he's not a league average quarterback he's you think Greg's going to ever say but that? Already, I don't think he will because you just heard that whole monologue by Greg where he's like, everything else is right, bad. I mean, he's that, already those being are excused. Facts. Well,
2: I got to say, the schedule makers uh, served up a real possibility for a 2-1-1 record. That's all
1: we're looking for. Let's see for what it here. is. That's all, all right. we're looking One for. One more game. Uh, Mark, it's you closing out the draft.
3: Well, we have two more actually, but uh, I'm going to take the Saints at Panthers. And for me, the reason I'm doing it is Jameis Winston last week, I think I said on this show – We might be in a place where Jameis Winston has worked his way out of the operation as like a pick six robot and constantly turning the ball over. And I know you're playing Tampa's defense, but they harassed him entirely. Tons of turnovers. The Saints completely could not match up to a Bucs team that had tons of guys missing on offense. So can you go to Carolina and steer the ship back correctly? Yes, I think you can, because I don't know what the Panthers on offense can do either. Baker Mayfield, to me, looks like a bottom three, bottom four quarterback in the NFL. That's not what they thought they were getting. I think they thought they were getting somewhere
2: in the middle of the pack. Not the case. I totally agree. He looks lost. He doesn't play well when he is protected. He definitely is confused when teams are sending blitzes at him. This is a matchup where New Orleans should get aggressive and go after him. I, the one thing that could give the Panthers a little bit of hope here, not only did you know they beat down the Saints in Carolina last year, uh, but the Saints' pass rush has been one of the worst in the league. They had four pressures last week. They couldn't get any pressure on Mariota the week before either. So I think there's at least a chance uh, that you could protect Baker Mayfield better in this game. I'm, I've been surprised how quiet Cam Jordan and, and Marcus Davenport have been specifically. Did you guys hear that, by the way? What was that? Sort of a sound from nature. Oh.
1: Go bring bring up keys? It's, no, it's the ghost of Jameis Winston past returning. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. There he is, the interception machine that kills his team and loses control when the situation gets hot. Uh, here's Devin Devin White, the Tampa Bay linebacker, after uh, Winston threw three straight interceptions in the second half, talking about what he foresaw ahead of that big rivalry game in Week 2.
4: I mean when Jameis left our team, everybody nobody did that last year, and we feel like we had a great defense then. And you know, he threw thirty picks, you know, and we just knew he'd give us the ball. We knew the running backs, are, you know, cough it up, you know, and that's something we came in talking about. You know, we want thirty turnovers as a ball club by ourselves. So this just was another game to go attack the ball.
1: So there's a little shade at Jameis, and I'm just wondering uh if the reported four fractures in the back. You talked about Andy Dalton in the summer, Greg, like. If he isn't quite right, do not run out a half a James right. Winston. Just put in Dalton. You have sure. a really
2: good backup. They better know what they're doing because they made a mistake last week. That was the worst game he's had as as a saint. Uh, you have to think it was related to the back. Well, you he could, could not shoot straight. You
3: could really tell on when he whenever he threw it deep and I'd have to assume that the back thing was a,
2: was a, a situation right. there absolutely. Right. And it, it wasn't even just the interceptions. He was just like missing throws. They do good guys. Alvin Kamara back most likely because he was limited in practice, which is huge. They probably get Paulson Debo back for the first time. And in camp, at least, you know, people are really feeling like he might have a breakout year, and that, that'll help their secondary. One thing to keep an eye on, Pete Werner. has been balling. Pete Werner, the Saints linebacker. We talked about early all pros after two weeks. Pete Werner and Demario Davis are reminding me of uh, – I don't know Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley back Hello. in the days, at least for two weeks. I mean, I I wouldn't put. You gotta in love that the cat.
3: Jets and Browns both good. gave up on Demario Davis, and he's gone
2: to New Orleans and been sensational. Yeah, those nice two, work. Those two are very much like modern linebackers who can stay on the field, good in coverage, good everywhere. Werner's been awesome. All right. To win Carolina, or else your season's over. I
3: think this final game, I'd like to give us credit as a threesome. No one, this is being drafted where it needs
1: to be drafted. Okay, Last. I don't know who's even. Is this technically? A, no, I'm not watching this game. Houston <laughs> at Chicago. That's bad. That's rough.
2: See, I sent you a little note. Could be a good grade Said game. you. Take it. I, I can't, I will cover it the way the draft fell in the end. Well, I think the
1: draft is over. I think it's yes. four picks each. And then if there's something stray, we just figure it out, mm-hmm. right? And you've, you volu- you've volunteered, and that was very, very honorable, <laughs> Greg, and chivalrous. Uh, here we are, Houston. I I, I struggle to watch the Texans. The Bears, there are certain people that will say, oh, the Bears got jobbed in Sunday Night Football. Uh, they should have had that touchdown at the goal line. Whatever, they still got beat by multiple scores. Um, who, who do you think, um, Greg, in this game has a better chance to – feel good about themselves on Sunday night. I I
2: picked the Texans just I don't know why because the Bears are trying to win without throwing the ball and, and look I know one of the games was in the rain. It wasn't that that rainy for a lot of the game, but they've run they've 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 passed the ball 28 times and they've run the ball 64 times. And they've trailed most of the season. That's the ratio. 28 to 64. What? Some of it's on fields because he ends up scrambling on called pass plays. His time to throw is 3.54. It's what he did in college where he held it way longer than almost any college quarterback, and that's happening that's not again work. early. It's not working right now, certainly. Not in our league. They need to have an answer. I'm really curious what Matt Iberflus and Luke Getze and, and they have in store, because they really need to have an answer. Let's let's get double-digit completions for the first time this season. We oh. haven't gotten there yet. He's thrown 28 passes. It's being oh. run like
3: a high school team. Darnell Mooney... Four yards on the season. Well, this is why Allen Robinson was annoyed. I mean, I, I just, uh, I think you're right. They're going to have to change things up. I would t- think the Texans in this one can, too.
1: Can I? Can you imagine they? How many passes did he throw last, on Sunday nights? Eleven fields. He's twenty-eight total. Can you? Can you imagine what people would be saying if Matt Nagy was the coach right now? He <laughs> would be getting killed for this. And I'm not saying that Matt Eberflus and uh, who's running the offense over there? Is Luke getsy like, like I'm not saying they're not getting criticism, because I'm sure they are, but this is the type of stuff where people will be ready with torches and pitchforks coming from Matt Nagy if you have year two of Justin Fields and you're running an offense where he's thrown less than 30 passes in two weeks. You're right. It's Except 2022. The
3: Bears did something smart. They made it very clear to everyone that they're in rebuild mode. It's not a good situation to be a year two quarterback in that, in that environment, but that's what they said. I think that's the difference. This Matt Nagy was an absolute lightning rod for critique. I would just
2: run the ball a ton. They were actually effective. They almost got back into that game with David Montgomery last been, week. I mean, that is what they're doing and they have been pretty good running. Their running game has been better uh than the, than the Texans' running game here. You you, you don't expect a lot of uh, offense.
1: I would set the over under on this game at about 12. I think it's going to be like 6 to 3. 12 and a half.
3: Bang the under. We'll probably be 29, 28 after we set up. What that, is it like? actual in the desert, Greggy?
2: I, I will find out that it's information 40. for you. <laughs> like you don't have it in your head. I mean, I've got it right here. I'm not really it's an over-under guy, you know.
1: <laughs> I just As assume you're we actually setting these. Like uh, Robert De Niro at the end of Casino. 40. 40 I mean, feels he, high. 40 seems like a lot, a lot for these two teams. Where they What we've seen so
2: far. But maybe, you know, on a, on a positive end... One of them is going to feel great after week three. Hey, Either the dub. Texans are going to be one one and one, which is that's great for the Texans. Or the Bears positive. are going to be two and one with with I think another matchup next week. Uh, it's against the Giants that they could feel uh, like hey, maybe we can get the three the and undefeated, one undefeated potentially. Right, Giants. you're classically
1: underrating the Giants. Uh, Damian Pierce, uh, maybe he 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 showed something a little bit more in week two. Maybe the summer hero breaks out against the Bears. We shall see.
2: Still like him. Still Catch moving well. Catch a pass on the goal line here, Brandon Cooks. He, he's hurt them a couple drops this right.
1: season. Good stuff. There it is. That's week three. It already starts rolling. And by the way, we have the Friday Fun Show coming up on, uh, you know, Friday. which That's how it works. Obviously. Um, so make sure you check that out. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Happy Hour in London Town uh, where we will uh, – do the recap of Thursday Night Football, Steelers at Browns. Where are you watching that game, Mark? TBD, but I think I might go out
3: on the town and watch it somewhere. Get loose? You going to get a little loose? Just to be in a public environment, how often do we get to watch games out in the public? Where Especially exactly Thursday where night. Are
1: you, What? Where will you be for listeners in Southern California? So they can- in the Hollywood area, I believe. Hollywood. couple choices. They don't have big wangs there anymore.
3: No, but I, you and I know a place, Uncoyangra but don't don't there. mention it because
1: oh, I, 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 might, po- I might actually go there. so good spot. All right. We'll have the recap of Thursday Night Football. Greg might try to join me, so. Friday. Don't think so. Yeah. But Friday Fun Show also, whose turn is it? Uh, we, we have one of our segments is uh, The Floor is Yours. Greg Rosenthal, The Floor is Yours on the Friday Fun Show. I love how Mark
2: just immediately <laughs> pointed no, to me. He's like, I'll Daddy's you, going out tonight. Know, I'll tell
3: you why. <laughs> know, I'll tell you why. Because I already know what I'm going to do, and it's oh. taking going to take a little bit more time to, to get together and produce.
1: Got it. Got it. And uh, Sunday night, the flagship show, Nick Shook will take us home at the end of the episode because we will be taking a flight to our second home, the aforementioned London town uh, around the NFL from London next week leading up to
2: Viking Saints. That's right. Get those tickets. Big Tot. O2 Forum, Kentish Town, Thursday night. It's soon now. It's a week away. We don't have to say the date anymore. It's next Thursday the 29th right. join us for a live show we have we
1: have special guests lots of them we have Mark Sessler last year Greggy we didn't have Sessler
2: that, it was a show. big, it was a big loss it's actually almost a week <laughs> from this moment we will just be, be, be ready to get on stage because of the I'm time I'm nervous change.
1: just thinking about it I know, we should
2: play on the show potentially All at right. some point
1: that's it Graver is already discussed privately with me he wants to be on stage so of course he does Thank you to everybody for listening. Until the fun show, heed the call.